Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. First four is over. It's Thursday. It's that Thursday. It's the real start of the NCAA tournament. Games tipping off in just a few hours. Clay Travis is somehow awake out in Las Vegas. That set looked ridiculous yesterday. I'm sure that is a lot of fun. It's going to be even more fun today. Now we actually get to talk about this bracket and talk about our Final Fours because Fox Sports came to all of us and we're like, all right, who's your Final Four and who's your winner? And I've already like sent them a message and said, look, I might need a mulligan depending on the health of P.J. Washington of Kentucky. So I'm already not happy with my Final Four picks. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody who came out and watched the taping uh, live show uh, on Wednesday. Obviously, we're going to be there again Thursday and Friday during the games. So for those of you out there listening this morning, maybe you're on your way to the airport, maybe you're already on the West Coast, wherever you may be, uh, we had an awesome crowd. I think it'll be packed tomorrow for the sports book, uh, but we had a fantastic time. Me, Cousin Sal, Rachel Bonetta, and Todd Furman with, uh, with the setup at the MGM Grand. So our show, Pacific Time, will be live at 1.30 Pacific Time uh, from the MGM Grand Sportsbook, and uh, it, was, uh, it was really fun. And so uh, I hope people are going to come out because it's going to be orders of magnitude better with the games actually going on on Thursday and Friday while we are there. So that is, uh, that is still to come. But I'm with you. The P.J. Washington injury, potentially very serious. 
This is, I think, a wide-open tournament. And um, in particular, I think that Duke has been drastically overvalued. Duke makes 30.2% of its shots from three-point range so far this year. That would be, it is, in fact, lower than anybody who has ever made the final four in the three-point era. So, obviously, three-pointers get attempted a lot more in both college and the NBA than ever they were in the past, and so that has become a much more substantial portion of the arsenal for more and more teams. And uh, I say that, but I still have Duke going to the final four because I wasn't willing to not put them there. Uh, So I have Duke in the final four my picks. I've got Texas Tech, look, yeah, uh, I've been on this, you remember, uh, Jason, for a long time, that it makes no sense to seed one, two, three, four, and set up the final four so that one plays four and two plays three, and then disregard every other seed line. So as a result, the Western, uh, the Western region is infinitely weaker than every other region. You've got the worst of the one seeds, according to the S-curve, which is Gonzaga, and then you got the worst of the two seeds, which is Michigan. So I like Texas Tech with a fabulous defensive team. Chris Beard may well be the national coach of the year. I like Texas Tech to come out of that region. I think they're way under the radar. And then uh, in the south, I believe it is, I have got uh, Tennessee beating UVA in the Elite Eight. Uh, maybe a little bit of a homer pick there, but I think if Tennessee gets past Cincinnati, they have a really good road, assuming Cincinnati gets past Iowa. Uh, and uh, so I've got Tennessee coming out of the south, and I believe the Midwest uh, region, I have got Kentucky triumphing over, uh, over UNC. But as you just said, if P.J. Washington's not healthy, that Kentucky team goes from a national title contender to maybe a team that doesn't even make the Sweet 16. I mean, I think he is without a doubt the most important person on that team, and so all eyes to him may not matter in the first round, but by the second round, uh, it could matter a tremendous deal. So that is an injury situation that is definitely worth paying attention to. Okay, so we do disagree here on a couple of things. Uh, I do not have Duke making the Final Four. I'm going to stick by my guns from the Jason Martin show back on Sunday when I laid out and said, look, somebody is going to beat them because of this three-point situation and the fact that Zion Williamson does not shoot very well from the free-throw line. They're going to run into somebody that's inferior in talent but makes 40 or 41% from three. And if they just have an off night, then they're done. So I've got Michigan State coming out of the East. The West, I'm actually going with Gonzaga because I li- I almost went with Texas Tech. I couldn't quite get there. Michigan, I just don't trust enough. As much as John Beeline is a beast when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I really like Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga can get there. Then on the flip side, I had Kentucky over North Carolina. If P.J. Washington's not playing, UNC's going to the Final Four there. In the South, I've got Virginia over Tennessee, and I changed it. I originally had written down Tennessee, and I just could not stick with it. And I went with Virginia. (laughs) And further than that, I'm the guy. I'm part of that 5%. I think Virginia's winning it all. I am am bold enough in going for it. We talked about that yesterday on the show. Uh, I also said it uh, yesterday on Lock It In that, to me, 
the storyline there that's fascinating about Virginia is last year Virginia had the number one most people who picked them to win the bracket, 29% of the vote. They lose in the first round to UMBC, and they are now a team that no one wants to touch. Uh, they have uh, leprosy of the NCAA tournament variety, and uh, nobody will touch them, and they've got a 5% Pick, winner pick rate, and uh, I just think as you run through there, there's good value on UVA. I don't dispute uh, that that breakdown from you at all. I think going with Virginia, if you're getting your last-minute bracket pick uh, picks in right now, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean, you can cash a little bit at least on that. I This P.J. Washington thing is really weird to me. Like, I didn't know that there was a problem against Tennessee. He doesn't show up at the press conference. Then they have him see a specialist. He's not out there on the floor. There's various people that are covering that team that aren't sure what's going on. The The Twitter feed for Kentucky men's basketball starts to point things out, and I don't see nearly as many comments and replies in the first couple of minutes afterwards as I expected to see. But we've watched Kentucky all year. Without P.J. Washington, I don't know that Wofford or Seton Hall, whoever wins that game, and I think even though Seton Hall's a bad matchup for him based on what I've read, I think Wofford might still get that job done. I still think Kentucky probably can get to the Sweet 16, but if P.J. Washington is still not right, and remember, a couple days ago he was in a walking boot and they were like, ah, it's just a little precaution. There's no real big deal. And now it's even more amorphous, and this is like curtains for Kentucky. I know they've got talent, but if they don't have P.J. Washington, they don't have a prayer of getting out of that uh, out of that region maybe not even making it to the championship game of that region in the regional final. Yeah, look, it's a massive injury, and uh, I think he's the one player they cannot afford to lose. Uh, He is their linchpin, and uh, to have him potentially uh, on the shelf would be a massive hit. Now, maybe if you're a Kentucky fan, what you would hope is that you could win, obviously, against a 15 seed, Get, I think Kentucky's like a 22-point favorite or whatever they are in that game. Get past that game. I still think the talent Kentucky would have compared to Wofford or Seton Hall, and I know I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Seton Hall beat Kentucky earlier in the year, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think that happened early in the year, like back in December or something. But assuming that Kentucky could get past them still, because I still think the talent differential would be substantial, then maybe he could be back healthy by the time they got to the Sweet 16 and had to play a team like, let's say, a Houston. That could be a substantial impact. Do you think we're about to see a chaotic tournament? Or do you feel like most of us... Uh, there's not there's a lot of chalk in a lot of people's brackets. When you look at the Final Four, when you go to the Athletic and you look at all of their college basketball writers, a lot of them have Gonzaga over Tennessee in the final, but almost nobody's got... Maybe you've got 1-3, you've got 1-3, you've got Texas Tech... Most people don't even have that. Most people are one and two, and that's it. Do you feel like this is going to be a chalk tournament, or we're all going to be complete idiots in about 24 hours, and certainly in 48? Um, I, for who knows, first of all, right? That's what makes the tournament so great. Um, you have one 40-minute game, and anything can happen in a 40-minute game, as anybody who's ever watched the tournament thinks. But in my mind, there is a pretty clear delineation of seven or eight teams that are substantially better than everybody else. And so, in theory, uh, you're going to hear Doug Gottlieb. Uh, I'll ask him that question here uh, in the show today because Doug played in the NCAA tournament and spends a lot of time uh, breaking down games all the time. And, 
you know, one of the things that happens is sometimes people overthink their brackets, and uh, and I think sometimes you can overthink why something's going to happen. Uh, the three-point line changes a lot in college basketball because if your team comes out and is super hot, uh, they can beat anybody if they're a top 25 caliber team, and if they can't hit anything, they can lose to anybody. And I think no team really personifies that better, honestly, than an Auburn uh, Tiger team. I mean, if you saw the way they played against Tennessee, right. they looked like a national championship caliber team uh, in the SEC title game. Uh, but if they come out and they, they can, and they can't hit anything, then they could lose to New Mexico State, and it wouldn't be surprising at all. That's a game that's going to be going on early, uh, one of the early tip-offs. I I just think there are a lot of different ways this thing could go, and uh, I'm not necessarily uh, sold that it's going to be very, uh, very easy to predict the outcome here. Doug Gottlieb will join us up next, and we will get his thoughts on the tournament. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. It's always good to be in the know, but it's especially important when it comes to your personal information like your social security number. That's why Discover is here to help. They send an alert if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And best of all, this service is free for card members. All you have to do is sign up online. It's just one more way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios, Thursday of NCAA Tournament. No better day to bring on Doug Gottlieb and break down the bracket universe. First of all, do you do your show live while all the games are taking place? Uh, I'm going to. I've never done it before, I don't think. And this is a weird, you know, like when I was at ESPN, we would do these shows that, believe it or not, people watched where we would do shows while the games were taking place. But that was before... I think Turner got involved where they're on a bunch of networks. Um, and then obviously I, I worked the tournament for uh, five years at CBS. And so last year, I'm trying to think what I did last year. I don't know if I worked, but, but, you know, our studio um, has four TVs so we can watch every game and we're going to be sitting around eating wings and, and I guess doing a radio show at the same time. So yeah, I, I'm going to do it. I've never really done it before, but it's not, it, honestly, they staggered the game times pretty, pretty well. So it's not that crazy. I don't think. Here's what I think. I I think, and you probably agree with me, that the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament is the single best day in all of American sports, right? I mean, to me, it is when we just have, like, the best possible frenzy and excitement. You get this idea of games going on at noon. Like, I remember being a kid, and every now and then they'd let us roll in the television at school, and it just felt like a special holiday. My, my My dad took me out of school. So you could stay home and watch all the games. My dad's, uh, no, we would go to a sports bar. Because remember, like this is, here's one, here's the deal. Like the two things that you're going to have to explain to your kids that lasted for a long time that have only recently gone away. Like try and explain to your children, hey, we used to have two national champions in college football. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Like we, wait, what? Yeah, Yeah, we used to have two national champions. And we used to have one channel. One channel that gave us all the NCAA tournament games. Like, that just uh, oh, I, like a, it was infuriating. We've had, we've had cable for since what, early 80s? I mean, I remember we got cable when I moved to uh, City of Orange when I was uh, six years old. So, somewhere, you know, I mean, I late, had, se- had late cable. 70s cable started. Most people started to get it, you know, like I remember getting it in the, in the 80s, right? Like, but okay. 
It's crazy, like, so, so like roughly, 30 years, roughly basically, 30, of basketball. 30 years. 30 years, and only the last five to seven years, you know, five years or so, seven years maybe, have we actually had every game on TV. You know, every game, not every, where you could see every game. So, I mean, it's amazing to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, look, as a basketball guy, honestly, like, last Thursday and Friday were great. You had more teams, more rivalries, unbelievable games. But uh, when you have these, you know, Cinderella's uh, and you have them, you know, playing for a national championship, um, uh, it's it's great. Uh, there's, there's, there's not, now, I've never done – you're going to be in Vegas, right? Yeah, we're going to be doing the show live. Uh, late, I mean, we did it yesterday, and it was awesome at the MGM uh, Grand Sportsbook. For anybody out there who's listening right now that may be coming down for Thursday or Friday in Vegas, it's going to be awesome. We'll be live at uh, at one thirty Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, and you can watch us. I mean, the games will be going on today uh, in a way that they were not yesterday. So this is just going to be just wild. I can't even – I have no idea what to expect, but I can't wait. I've never done Vegas, the Vegas thing, and so I, you know everybody tells me you got to do it. So I think that's probably a next year deal. I could do Vegas on a Thursday and Friday. There's no reason to not to. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 awesome. And I the other part which is interesting to me, having done when you, when you, once you do the tournament, you kind of you knew I knew this playing in the tournament, but uh, is you know just how close it really is to having a, a different outcome and. You know, I remember we, uh, my my first two years at Oklahoma State, we lost to Duke in the second round. It's a tie game with two and a half minutes to go, and I drove up the court and we're playing in Lexington, Rupp Arena, and the place is bonkers because this is one of the things unique about it. If you've actually been to a you know first and second round, is like the underdog is the underdog until like the you know twelve twelve eight six minute mark really in the second half, and all of a sudden now if the underdog is close or winning. Suddenly, it doesn't matter who it is, everybody cheers for the underdog in the arena with the exception of the favorites fans. That's right. right? So we're playing Duke, and I played Freddie Sutton, and it's in Lexington. They hate him because, you know, he was there when, you know, part of Kentucky shame when they got put on probation. And people booed us when we're doing shoot-arounds and walkthroughs and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're about to, you know, we're tied with Duke with a couple minutes to go, and the place is going nuts. And I could hear, and my coach is making some, a hand signal like he wants to run a play, and I don't know what it is, so I just called timeout. We had, well, that was our last timeout, so we did have a timeout. I didn't do it with Chris Weber, and you know, I wish we probably would have had it, you know, pocketed it for later. But um, we ran a play, and our best player, you know, missed a drive, and then you know we couldn't stop Rashawn McLeod, and it, we lost by six. But the game was, you know, it was a tie game. We had the ball with two and a half minutes to go against Duke. You know, and the next year we play Auburn. That was uh, Chris Porter and I don't know, Doc Robinson. You remember that? That was that was they were a one team. seed that year, I think, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we were we were at eight my first year and nine the second year, and we were way better than a nine. We just we were ranked top ten in the country, and we messed around that season, had some chemistry injury issues. Anyway, you know, we're tied with we're tied with Auburn late, and we had an injury, so they had a little guy Scott uh, Scott Paulson uh, Scott Pullman Paulson or something. I don't know. And he lit us up. I had to guard Doc, uh, Doc and a guy named Glenn Alexander had to, had to guard Scott, and he's running around off screens. He just couldn't do it because our two guard was hurt. Anyway, we didn't box out with, like, you know, I don't know, 45 seconds to go. You know, they make, we foul and make a free throw, miss a free throw, and we don't box, box, uh, box out Chris Porter, who was best power forward in college basketball that year. 
And, you know, we lose that game. But my point is, like, from the time I played then to, oh, I was, when Wichita State went on their run and went to the Final Four, I did, those my first two tournament games. And I remember, like, I was, we were doing Southern versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga's a one seed. Southern was tied with four and a half to go. And people became Southern fans. And then, you know, Wichita was losing to Pitt. And there was a guy named Lamar Patterson got called for a flagrant for throwing an elbow when he was actually driving to the basket. It was a terrible call. Got him his third personal foul. That game changed. So my point is that these things change on a dime. And I do think that now because they're spread out over four networks and they, they've staggered the times, we get to watch them more. But they really are. Even the ones that some of them end up out of hand, they can be close if not for an injury or a foul call or something that goes boom, uh, uh, bump in the night. So as we get ready for tip-off, and you know it's not very far away now, everybody hopefully has got their brackets in or you're going to finish them off here shortly. Which right. teams to you? You watch a ton of college basketball, and I watched a lot of college basketball this year, more than most years, because now on Lock It In, we're watching every night and gambling on the game. No, it's because Tennessee's good. Stop and it. also because Tennessee's, Tennessee's and also because Tennessee's good for a change. Uh, but what teams to you stand out? Like uh, Duke right now is two to one. Are they that much better than everybody else in your mind? Where do you see value if people are finishing out their brackets now? Which teams do you think are good enough to cut down the nets? Well, let me let me just give you. This is amazing about Duke. I, I don't I don't think Duke is heads and tails better because they don't have great depth and they don't shoot it well. But they are really really good, and that's why they're the odds-on favorite. And they have Zion. But here's how important Duke is. This Duke team is to the sport. Is if they didn't have injuries, I think the the seedings look completely different, right? Like they don't lose to Carolina twice in the regular season if they have Zion in either of those two games, right? They, um, I don't know, Syracuse is in the field if they don't beat Duke, and uh, Cam Reddish didn't play, and Trey Jones got hurt early on, six minutes into that game um, against uh, against Syracuse. That's Syracuse's big road victory. Otherwise, their res- resume looks very flimsy. So you know, you look at 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 some of their losses. And you sit there and go like, hey, wait a second. Had they been healthy, maybe they don't lose these games. And the seeds are completely different. Um, they're really good. Uh, on the other hand, they have, you know, two or three fundamental flaws. They do not shoot the ball well from three at all. Um, they are really inexperienced where it, where it matters most. And, um, and, they, and they, don't have, uh, they, don't have, they don't have very good depth. Now, what they do have is they do have multiple ball handlers because you have Trey Jones who can handle it, you know, R.J. Barrett who can handle it, and frankly Zion who's like a you know, point center can handle it as well. So you, you do need multiple ball handlers. You need multiple shot creators, which they have. And you know, Cam Reddish is a guy who can jump up like you know, I call it the Louisville game uh, where they came from down 24 or whatever in the second half or 23 in the second half, uh, you know, who can jump up. And he, can, I mean, he, is, he is a very good shooter. He's just, as a freshman, freshman run hot and cold a lot more than older players, and they've played a lot. So I think, I think that they'll find they're, – they're better shooters than they've been shooting. Um, but, again, they have those fundamental flaws, and if you, can, if you can withstand the pressure of them defensively and not give up run out the dunks, if you can make them take contested shots over the top, if you can get to their bench and get them in some foul trouble, uh, I think you can beat them. I think they can be had. Um, but I, I don't think they'll have any potential for damage until maybe they get to the second weekend. All right, so that's Duke. So, uh, so you, you, asked for, you asked for teams that well, who the teams that are the best. I mean, obviously, like, look, there's six or seven teams that are better than everybody else. Um, that's why they're the ones in two seeds, and I think they were. It was it was pretty easy 
to, to pick out that pool of teams. Um, and then the other teams, you know, look, I think Nevada is way better than a seven seed. You know, they don't shoot it that well, but they're old as hell. I mean, they got four kids that are 23 years old or older uh, in their starting lineup. Um, and they played in the Sweet 16 last year. I think Buffalo is legit, real deal. I don't think they got a very good draw. But as a sixth seed, it ain't crazy to say they could beat um, anybody, really anybody in this tournament because because uh, they can play against, they can stretch out teams to play play big, and uh, and they're, they're built to play small ball. Um, and then I I think you know I, I don't know if Marquette survives Murray State the first game because Murray State's so long and athletic, but Marquette can really they got three four dudes that can really really shoot the basketball, and you know as much as defense and defensive metrics matter, and I think Texas Tech. You know, fits that Texas Tech can beat anybody. You know, at, at some point you do have to score, and they got the you know that uh, Joey Hauser and Marcus Howard can can both give you thirty in a in a heartbeat, and they can stretch you out and, and make three point shots, and that that to me is the ultimate equalizer. Do you think that Duke, UVA, and UNC are the three best teams in the country, all from the ACC? Uh, no. No, look, I think Kentucky's really good. Really good. Um, I think Tennessee's really good. I, I have questions about, you know, those of us who have played against and, and have seen Rick Barnes. You know, Rick's made it to a Final Four, but he only did it when he had T.J. Ford, when he had a big-time point guard, and they do not have great point guard play. Uh, but they have grown-ass men, and they compete. And I, I do think it's a Tennessee team uh, that will be there in contention for a Final Four. But no, I, I I don't think they're that much better than like I think Gonzaga's legit. I think Carolina's legit. I, I, those are those are the teams. Michigan and Michigan State aren't, especially Michigan State with with uh, you know losing Langford. I just don't know if they have the overall talent. They really have kind of one shot creator right now, and um, you know Nick Ward can score in the low post, but he just just can't guard anybody, and you know he missed time with the hand. Like I just don't think Michigan State has the horses, and Michigan is a little bit like Texas Tech. Uh, maybe even more so in that they're great defensively. I just don't know if they have the offense against the big-time teams. But, again, those are – it wasn't hard to pick out those top two seeds. Those are the best teams. And there's, there, there's a reason there were no arguments about it because I, I think the only question is, you know, uh, isn't Texas Tech among that group? And I think Texas Tech is in that kind of second-tier, second window with Michigan, Michigan State of teams that – Maybe you can make a Final Four, but you don't expect to be able to beat the elite teams in the country. We're talking to Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show. You can listen to him on many of these same Fox Sports radio stations later in the day. He'll be going crazy as they are doing their live radio show during the games. So, question for you. You just ran through some of your experiences in the NCAA tournament with Oklahoma State. Do you yeah. think there is a psychological impact for Virginia coming off of losing yes. to UMBC like they did? How will that impact them in this year's tournament? I think they're going to kick the hell out of a couple teams early in the season. I mean, if you remember, people forget Villanova, before they won the national championship in, was that, 2016. So that's not this last chance of the one before. They, four years in a row, they had lost in the first weekend. And um, and I, if if you remember, like the second round was their nemesis, and they played Iowa in the second round, and it was a close it was a close game the first you know seven eight minutes, and all of a sudden Nova's just like f this like whap whap whap, and Fred McCaffrey didn't have enough timeouts to call like that game was just 
it just got it felt I, I I don't remember exactly the run when it took place, but it just it was over in a hurry, and they never looked back. I would guess that would be Virginia because you remember Virginia. You go back a couple years ago, and you know two years ago they had Syracuse dead ass beaten, right? They had Syracuse done in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four, and they gagged that sucker away um, against the press. So I think there's I I definitely think there's a bunch of shrapnel there to pick out. Some, some psychological stuff. And do I think they'll come out tight? Maybe. Um, I, I kind of feel like Ty Jerome and, you know, DeAndre Hunter didn't, didn't play last year. I think they have that as the benefit. Uh, you know, look, their style is, and there's, there's a little similarity there to Syracuse, where when you play less possessions, you know, you do run the risk of you get down, it's harder to catch up. But uh, they have a little bit more firepower. Their offense has opened up a little bit. I think Tony's learned from it. And I do think it's one of those things where there may be a, a bit of an overcorrection here, where Virginia just kicks the crap out of people um, early on in the tournament before they before they they face somebody that can uh, that can, can compete with them. Okay, who's your final four? Last questions here for you. If you are doing your final four and you're filling out your bracket, who would you take? Uh, my bracket has uh, Duke, Virginia. Gonzaga and Kentucky. I think that's my my final four. So a lot of chalk there. Three ones and a two. You yeah, feel like I mean, there's yeah. a pretty good difference between the ones and twos, as you said on the show, and everybody else. And you're not not betting on anybody getting hot down the stretch. No, I mean that that, that doesn't mean there won't be upsets early on. And the, the problem I found, and and this is this is a kind of a philosophical deal discussion is, um, you know, sometimes you overthink it. You know, I've I've, I've overthought it before with brackets like oh i like this team they could like look i like nevada and but i mean look at that bracket nevada's in like who they would have to beat um it's a it's a bear now i think they could beat michigan you know on the other hand michigan makes you make jump shots and they're not a very good jump shooting team but even if they like you know kind of do i think nevada could go to a final four like yeah but i also remember they were down i think 20 in the first both the first two round games last year like the, the point is in the brackets i almost feel like you're better off going closer to chalk than you are to go in double-digit numbers because um, a lot of times teams will have an upset and then, you know, then they get to the Sweet 16 and there's kind of a reckoning there. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's it also I had this discussion with my son who picked me. My son just turned 10 a couple of days ago. And it's an awesome like, I got age to be watching the NCAA tournament and be able to do right? your own brackets. My kids are around the same oh, age too. Totally. And so he's like, uh, I'm taking Michigan State because he – I called the game on radio against Michigan, and he's like, I love the Spartans. I like how they play. I was like, I do too. Like, I don't think Michigan State's winning the national championship. But anyway, he picked it, and he's like, well, why do you think that's wrong? I was like, yeah, but my problem is I like know too much, right? And yeah. sometimes too much, like, the, the you know, it's like the, the, the secretary ends up winning the, the office pool. So my, my now working philosophy is like, hey, just don't overthink it. Like, you know, it's, it's that idea of the book, you know, the – uh, what's the book? Blink. You know, the, your, your first opinion is usually your best opinion. So that's kind of what I'm what I'm going with. I'll I'll tell you this, Clay. Like, it's so interesting, and I don't know. I think you had the opinion of, that Zion shouldn't play, which I think is interesting because even if you take it simply from a business perspective, simply from a business perspective. Um, that's a, that would have been a bad decision. Because yeah, I changed my opinion, as I want to do. When I watched him play in the ACC, I said, you know what, I think I was wrong. He came back, and uh, and I think he has taken his, his ability to a different caliber and a different level. 
I don't even think it's about his ability. I mean, look, to me, it's about, like, look, you go to college, you gotta, the only reason you go and play in college is for, is for the next three weeks. Like, that's the whole reason all this stuff is worthwhile, is to play against Carolina and to, and to play in the ACC tournament and to play in the NCAA. That's, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but, the, but to me, from the business side, the, the flaw that people understand is, like, look, there's still millions of sports fans that have never seen him play. They've heard about him. They have no idea who uh, I said that play. on the show on Tuesday and on Wednesday. I said the exact same thing. As I said, you look at the number of people who are like, oh, everybody watched Duke UNC. Three million people watched it. Twenty million will watch him play if they get to the Final Four. Yes. Yes. Correct. And that therein, therein is the value to, to playing is college basketball builds the brands of all these kids. I'm the perfect example of that, you know? I'm just a you know a six foot white kid from Orange, California, but for a short period of time, I was kind of somebody, and I I used that you know to have to have this career. Imagine Zion Williamson, he wins a national championship after coming out of his shoe you know a couple months ago. What that means for him for the first shoe contract and and everything else he's going to do it it makes him exponentially more valuable. And like dude, he's done the unthinkable. He's made Duke likable. How is that possible? Yes. But how is that possible? I mean, there's, there's a couple national holidays in collegiate sports. One is when Notre Dame loses their first football game of the year, and the other one is when, when Duke loses in the NCAA tournament. And now everybody's rooting for him because of this kid. He has that type of – it's not just his style of play. It's, he does it with a smile on his face and how hard he plays. Just incredibly, incredibly likable. And I'm, I'm so happy that he just he blocked out the nonsense and the noise, and, and we get to see him play hopefully for three weekends. Outstanding stuff as always. Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show. Listen to him this afternoon. Appreciate him joining us here on the Thursday morning edition of Outkick the Coverage. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Him Sex Shoes and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is 
getting you down. It's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros. That's HIMS.com slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex chews are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Outkick the coverage radio program. Rolling right along here on a tournament Thursday here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, host of the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Clay Travis in Las Vegas doing Lock It In from a set that I'm pretty jealous of. I would like to be out there. I've not been out there for an NCAA tournament ever. And now you've got TV and you've got all sorts of other things going on. Clay uh, and our thanks to Doug Gottlieb as well for helping us break down these brackets. We talked about the Final Four. We picked what we think is going to happen. Now let's look at it from the flip side and talk about potential upsets. There are some that have fairly high percentages out there. I'll let you name the ones that you have, and then I will mention what uh, some of the experts have just in terms of upset chances based on analytics. But what is it that you look at? And I think upsets are double-digit seeds. And I really don't even think 10-7 counts. I think 11-6 is the first thing that I would actually classify as an upset. I'll give you several that I think potentially have, uh, have major play here, all right? Um, my favorite uh, upset pick early was Yale over LSU. Yep. Now, the more I've thought about this game, the more I think that both teams are just going to come out gunning and that there's going to be a lot of points scored. So right now, LSU's around a seven-and-a-half point favorite in that game, which is not a very substantial uh, favorite because Yale is a 14 seed, LSU is a three. 
LSU has played seven overtime games, so they tend to play towards the caliber of their competition. I'm trending here towards Yale, so I'm probably going to play Yale today uh, in in this one. This is an early tip-off, by the way, Uh, 12.40 Eastern, 9.40 a.m. if you are on the West Coast. So this one will be starting pretty early. Uh, now, um, the trendy upset pick to say this 5-12 games, and I'm focusing on the Thursday games right now uh, and kind of going in order based on the time they're playing. I think Auburn comes out and wins by 20. And I understand New Mexico State has won 19 in a row, uh, but I think Auburn is just playing really lights out. Bruce Pearl has never lost a first-round game in the NCAA tournament in his coaching career. I think he gets his team prepared really well. Uh, Auburn, uh, as a university, hasn't been to the NCAA tournament a ton, but they've never lost a first-round game either. Uh, So I like them there. There's been a lot of money coming in on another upset pick, Vermont. Money rolling in Mm -hmm. on Vermont. The line now down to Florida State around a nine-point favorite. Uh, So that one is certainly uh, worth paying attention to. We talked a lot about Belmont on this show. This line is all the way down to Maryland minus three. Uh, It opened at four and a half. Uh, It may continue to come down. Uh, That's a pretty intriguing game because if you look at oftentimes what happens in the play-in situation, uh, there's often a big uh, big money line. I'm stunned by this one. Kansas, four seed, only a a six-and-a-half point favorite over Northeastern. Uh, look, the, the lines, you asked me whether there's going to be a lot of upsets. There are a lot of games where you would look at them and say, man, you know what, there's not much that separates these two teams. Uh, Marquette, Murray State's another good example. I think Murray State's going to get Marquette. I love that one. Um, and, uh, and, and so those are the ones that, to me, really kind of stand out. One that has been hot initially, Montana opened as a 22-point favorite. That line has come all the way down. Sorry, 22-point underdog. That line has come all the way down to Michigan as a 15-point favorite. Uh, so, uh, so those are ones that, that I think you know, particularly are worth standing out. I'm just doing Thursday. We'll do a Friday bracket breakdown for you tomorrow. But I ran through a bunch of those. The ones that I am playing as underdogs in particular, uh, I am playing right now on uh, Murray State against Marquette. I am playing Belmont against Maryland. And uh, so you may want to run in the opposite direction from this. And I am playing Yale against LSU. Those are the major underdogs that I am on uh, today, the Thursday uh, beginning NCAA tournament play. Yeah, we agree there. I mean, you look at teams and how they're trending. The two top like upset picks overall, according to ESPN at least, is 34% Murray State beats Marquette. I think that happens. I think John Morant can wield them to a win. And Marquette has not played well down the stretch in this season. And number two, 32% chance Belmont beats Maryland. I had Belmont beating Maryland before the tournament started after going ahead and winning in their first four game. Maryland has struggled all year out of the gates, and Belmont's one of the highest scoring teams in the country. If they are lethargic out of the gates, meaning Maryland, that may not actually be particularly close. Now, they've got size on the inside. Belmont didn't have to deal with that against Temple, but Belmont scores in the 80s. Sometimes they get into the 90s. Maryland got beat 69-61 in the Big Ten tournament by Nebraska. They just don't look right to me. So I like that one. The LSU one's the one that I looked at and want to pick so badly just because of everything not about basketball that's going on surrounding that LSU team and just how you can compartmentalize as a 20-year-old to go out there and still play your best in this situation when you've never been there before and you're not going to have the head coach that you're used to and Will Wade being on the sidelines with you. And Yale's a pretty good basketball team. 
That's the other thing. You look at it and you're like, Yale? Like, right, Yale. Look them up. They're, they're actually not bad at all. So that's, that's just a few things. And yeah, like you said, we will talk about the Friday games uh, on tomorrow's program as well as we finish up the week. Hopefully our brackets are not completely shattered by then. But if they are, at least that means that it's been a fun day. Coming up in hour number two, we will talk some NFL. Jeff Schwartz will join the program. But today's all about the tournament. So we've got plenty more college basketball with you. Stick with us here on Outkick the Coverage. We'll be right back here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour number two, Outkick the Coverage radio program, Fox Sports Radio, anywhere in the country, foxsportsradio.com, 24-7, 365 via the podcast. Subscribe, Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Get the full archive. Consume the show however you want, whenever you want. If you happen to miss it live, that sucks. But we'll make it worth your while. You can just do it wherever. Wherever you're in your car or it's dinner time. Maybe you don't want to talk to the family. You can just put in some earbuds, listen to Outkick the Coverage. We don't blame you for that. we got Jeff Schwartz coming up, our good friend, and usually my guest host when I'm filling in for Clay Travis. He is in Las Vegas. And uh, we're, we're going to talk some NFL here because even though the tournament starts today, the NFL is always in the front of a sports fan's mind. And there are a couple of stories out there that one, I think you can lend a, a large part of expertise to one of them, and then another one, the Steelers are just a dumpster fire in terms of what their former players seem to be saying about Ben Roethlisberger and some other things going on there. So we'll talk about that. But first, what's your take on this Robert Kraft situation? I want you to – I can't believe I'm actually going to say this out loud because it, it it's mind-numbing, but I need you to put your lawyer hat on <laughs> yeah, and and explain this situation – in the way that you usually do? Well, I was one of the only people I know um, in the national media that actually kind of dove into this Robert Kraft story and started to ask questions from the moment it came out. And I'm not in any way defending him uh, in any way for the allegations. But one of the things you learn when you are a lawyer is you can be, uh, have, have behaved inappropriately and still not be guilty of a crime. And let me give you an example, one of the first times I learned this before I went to law school. Steve McNair got pulled over driving drunk, right, in downtown Nashville before everything went haywire with he and his, uh, he and his significant other. Uh, that, that, I guess his side chick, if you want to call her that, that ended up allegedly killing him and committing suicide afterwards. And they've released a video of Steve McNair, and it was clear as day that he was drunk uh, and that he was behind the wheel. But the police had no reason to pull him over. Usually, unless there's a, uh, unless there's a traffic stop that is stopping everybody, if you get pulled over, for instance, for a DUI, the police have to have a reasonable, ba- reasonable suspicion, probable cause, that you are driving drunk. You're driving across the median, uh, you know, the lines, you are weaving, you are running a red light, you didn't come to a complete stop, you are speeding, got a tail light out, you haven't got a registered, you got, your tags have expired. There are all sorts of reasons why you can be stopped and why the police can then, uh, can then catch you, for instance, when you get a DUI. But if you are pulled over and there isn't an underlying basis for you to be pulled over, then whatever evidence ensues after that is not admissible against you, even though you might have been driving drunk, right? And I'm just using that as an example. Sure. Uh, and in a, uh, in a law classroom, you learn an important uh, phrase, which is fruit of a poisonous tree. 
Um, and the, 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 the phrase is, is, you know, really evocative. But essentially what it means is evidence that is obtained that is inappropriately obtained is considered to be fruit of a poisonous tree. You can't use it in a court of law. So most people are, you know, making their jokes about Robert Kraft and the arrest and everything else associated with it. And lawyers think a little bit differently. We go to the facts. We go to the evidence at play. And regular listeners of this show will remember that I came out and I said, okay, I'm going to break down this case for you. And I said, I got several issues that I think are arising that could lead to Robert Kraft not being found guilty of this crime. And I said, the first thing that I think is significant here is Robert Kraft, they ID'd Robert Kraft by pulling him over and uh, asking for his ID. He was a passenger in a vehicle that when they drove up to this, uh, this spa. And the vehicle had done nothing wrong to be able to be pulled over, and Robert Kraft was not even driving, and the police obtained his ID that way, right, to figure out who he was. They looked at his driver's license. Well, the problem with that is if there's no justification to stop the car in the first place, the fact that you have identified Robert Kraft is potentially a major issue. The second aspect of this that I dove into that I think is, is, is a substantial defense is that we don't know whether there was actually a solicitation that occurred here. In other words, when Robert Kraft got these alleged services from this masseuse, we don't know specifically that he said, I will pay you in exchange for this sex act, right? It's possible that he went in, paid for a legal massage, she went and provided a service over and above and beyond the massage, and then he tipped her for it. But it's possible that she did that of her own volition and that he didn't technically say this money is an exchange for this sexual act that matters because we might not have a solicitation charge. We don't know what the audio, if there is any, from this tape shows. Third, this to me has always felt like a sting that was designed to catch a famous person, not to try and make these women's lives better. This was initially uh, described as a sex trafficking ring, and there yet has been no freedom that has been granted to the women involved. And in fact, the women involved here don't seem to have had their actual freedoms restrained in any way. And so I wonder, if you're trying to break a sex trafficking ring, why did you ever need to get these cameras set up? Why did you need to begin surveillance? After all, if you thought that you had found women who were engaging in sex trafficking, wouldn't your first thought be, we need to save these women, not that we need to catch people who are paying these women for sex? So all three of those things, I think, move in favor of Robert Kraft. A fourth issue that I think could be in play here is there are reports that Robert Kraft may have had a pre-existing relationship with this woman. This was like a 50-some-odd-year-old woman. What if Robert Kraft dated this woman? We don't know. What if he had some pre-existing relationship with her that would make this look like a voluntary act on her behalf as opposed to something that he was directly paying for? I think when you look at all the evidence here and the fact that this story has come out where the Florida prosecutors uh, and DA's office are already trying to work towards a deal with Robert Kraft, I think there's a pretty strong argument 
that before all is said and done, that Robert Kraft is not going to be found guilty of these charges, that maybe the charges might even have to get dropped, or that he's going to plea down to a level of offense that doesn't acknowledge that he was ever guilty of solicitation. I like Robert Kraft's side of this argument a lot better than I like the state of Florida's argument. Doesn't mean that Robert Kraft might not have misbehaved, but there's a difference between being misbe- between misbehaving and proving that someone misbehaved under the law. I think Robert Kraft, with the top legal representation that he's going to be able to afford, stands a decent chance, better than average chance, of being able to uh, to beat these charges. One question I would have, and, and what you said, um, it's hard to refute some of those things. Well, a couple of questions. One would be, what evidence do they actually have? The things that I've seen that could be challenged is there's no audio, so you don't hear about money being exchanged for sexual activity, for example. That could be an exonerating factor. There are other things that also look like the fruit from the poisonous tree that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. But the one thing that you have to, I would assume, think is the case for Robert Kraft is, if he tries to defend himself, there's a better chance that that video comes out. And from a reputation standpoint, it appears like Robert Kraft really cares about the reputation. He's somebody that's done a lot of philanthropic work He's somebody that actually goes to you know police officers and fallen police officers and makes them whole after all of these kinds of situations. He does a lot of donating. He does a lot of things very, very well. So his reputation and his stature are important. This video would be pretty damning, or am I wrong about that? Well, I think it would be embarrassing, and that's why undoubtedly they'll file a motion to suppress this release of this video and also seek the destruction of the video. Uh, having said that, Again, if there's no audio of the solicitation and Robert Kraft's defense is, I went in and I paid for a massage, and as part of that massage, I received something in excess of that massage, and then I gave a tip afterwards, that's fine, but that was the masseuse's choice to behave in that fashion. I was not directly paying for that. I paid for a massage, I got more than a massage, and I tipped Uh, On top of that, uh, there was no bargain for exchange of illegal activity at all, Um, you know, and and whether or not that's a strong defense, I think would depend on what the video looks like, and this sounds ridiculous, but did he receive any sort of massage at all prior to being serviced, for lack of a better phrase here? Um, I I don't know. I haven't seen the video. I've heard it. I've seen it described. But I'd want to see the full video myself, and certainly I would imagine his attorneys have seen this full video. It's embarrassing, but there are lots of things that would be embarrassing of a sexual nature that are not illegal, right? Um, you know, I, I think most people out there would not, you know, if you're not in the pornographic film business, you don't want your sex acts typically to be filmed by strangers and, uh, and distributed for other people to see. That doesn't mean that your sexual life is inappropriate or illegal. And so there's a difference between things that are embarrassing and often things that are illegal. Certainly for Robert Kraft, the release of this video would be embarrassing, and I think that's something that the state of Florida will threaten him with candidly uh, if he does not try, if he tries to fight this aggressively. Well, he's he's fi- his his attorneys filed a motion yeah, yesterday to suppress, to suppress it, and obviously they don't want it to be released, even if he doesn't reach the plea deal. 
what are the chances do you feel like it seems like the argument or what i read from tj quinn at espn.com basically said that the argument would be there was no probable cause to collect that video evidence in the first place what are the chances that video evidence actually does get suppressed well the challenge is even if the video evidence gets suppressed could it still get released somehow sure right because we live in an era where jeff bezos can text his girlfriend the owner of amazon and it's so easy to grab these images uh, from people's phones or from, you know, the, the question is how many people in the state of Florida's uh, DA's office there have access to that video and how easy is it to be copied and how easy is it for TMZ to get a copy of it? And I'll give you an example, something NFL related. The Ray Rice video came out not through the court proceeding in which he was prosecuted. It came out because TMZ somehow managed to get the video from, uh, from a private party, right? This video was made. It exists, and it's easy to distribute and replicate. Um, I don't know whether it will get out. Who knows? But it is, uh, that's a fear, even if it, it, the motion to suppress is granted and the evidence isn't considered to be, uh, to be allowed. Now, the motion to suppress is basically, if you win that, you win the case. Because without that video, there is no case. And the state would have to acknowledge that they have no ability to prove Robert Kraft committed a crime. So they will file a motion to suppress probably every bit of the state's evidence, including that traffic stop, including the video itself. If you take away, and that's a smart legal uh, defense, you want to eliminate systematically everything the state has to try to prove a crime was committed by Robert Kraft. And that's what his legal defense team is in the middle of right now. Less serious, but no less interesting, is the circus in Pittsburgh. Even with guys leaving, they are continuing to talk. We've already talked already about 2014 and maybe Ben Roethlisberger fumbling intentionally and how, yeah, if you're going to believe somebody would do it from the quarterback spot in the NFL, Roethlisberger would be one of the few. Now Le'Veon Bell has talked to Jenny Verentis at Sports Illustrated, and I'm going to read you part of the quotes that he had he said two different things he said the organization wants to win Tomlin wants to win Ben wants to win but Ben wants to win his way and that's tough to play with Ben won a Super Bowl but he won when he was younger now he's at this stage where he tries to control everything and the team let him get there so if I'm mad at a player and I'm not throwing him the ball if I'm not throwing AB the ball and I'm giving Juju Smith-Schuster all the shine or Jesse James, or Vance McDonald, or whoever it is, and you know consciously you're making your other receiver mad, but you don't care, it's hard to win that way. That's part of the interview that he was doing for his album release. He also talked about how the Steelers are not treating him like he is a human being because he's somebody that likes doing music and has all these other kinds of things, and he's treated not like he can do that, even though from all indications... He wasn't stopped from doing any of that. He said he likes to play video games, and the team frowns on that. Big surprise. Juju Smith-Schuster plays a lot of video games, too, and is being allowed to do... What is... I'm just going to cut myself off. What is Le'Veon Bell doing at this point? What is he talking about? Le'Veon Bell seems like a jilted girlfriend at this point, right? I I feel as if uh, there was a power struggle in Pittsburgh, and Mike Tomlin had to make a choice between Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and maybe other elements of the Pittsburgh Steelers and quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not really that dissimilar to the decision that Pete Carroll had to make. I think Pete Carroll, with everything that was going on with the Legion of Boom and that Seattle Seahawks defense, had to make a decision. 
am I going to be on Russell Wilson's side or am I going to be on uh, the, uh, the other team side, right? The Michael Bennett's, the Richard Sherman's, all of those guys on the defensive side of the ball who were so instrumental to the wins from the Seattle Seahawks. I think Pete Carroll's decision was easier, frankly, because Russell Wilson is so much younger than Big Ben Roethlisberger, right? If you are a head coach and you have to uh, and you have a power struggle developing on your team over who the correct leader is of that team, you always need to go with your Super Bowl winning quarterback. I think for Mike Tomlin, it's a tougher spot because Ben Roethlisberger is older, and because I, I think you know it's it's harder to justify being in in line behind your veteran quarterback who is 35 or 36 years old than it is to be with your you know, 28- or 29-year-old quarterback, which I'm assuming Russell Wilson is right now. But I think this is just a situation repeating itself over and over again. And it's always sounded to me like maybe because he's a player's coach, and I think you see this from Pete Carroll, who's also a player's coach too, that unlike there being a, you know, kind of a fight between the team and a player, that maybe Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell – feel like Mike Tomlin let them down in being on Ben Roethlisberger's side and choosing a side as a player's coach. Certainly when all those guys left uh, Seattle, you heard a lot of noise. You saw a lot of comments being made. It seems like the Steelers are going through the Seahawks cycle all over again. So how is this going to end for the Steelers? Like, I mean, the Browns, obviously, they're going to be fascinating to watch because – and one thing, one other thing that I would like your thoughts on that we have not been able to address this week because we talk so much college basketball and there's just there's a plethora of things going on in the sports world is when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they've got a head coach that's really not done this before. They've got a very cocky quarterback. They already had a cocky wide receiver in Jarvis Landry, and now they bring in Odell Beckham Jr., who even his own teammates are now kind of starting to say, yeah, that dude's kind of difficult to deal with. Uh, he, he's a bit of a problem. Which one of those two guys? Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham Jr. is the bigger star today in Cleveland. And how is the other guy going to feel about not being that guy? That, to me, is the thing because both those guys are alphas that want to be out front. And I'm very curious to see, Clay, one of them's going to have to step into the background at least a little bit, and I don't know exactly how that's going to work. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you asked how the Steelers' situation is going to end first, and I think the question is going to be how well can they go about building back their wide receiver core. The one thing you can say about the Steelers is they have been fantastic when it comes to drafting wide receivers and the talent that they have brought in and using their picks to find sort of diamonds in the rough, right? It's not just been first-round guys who have all panned out. They have had a ton of really successful wide receivers. I think certainly a big part of that has been Roethlisberger. So that is the first question. Second question you asked is, look, the Browns are the favorite in the AFC North right now. And as much drama as there is coming out of Pittsburgh, how is all of the drama that surrounds the Cleveland Browns, particularly in their, I think it's fair to say, Baker Mayfield has diva-ish tendencies. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Right, But it's just he wants to be the center of attention. He wants to be the guy posing shirtless with a tiger beside a Ferrari or whatever it was. A lot of other quarterbacks wouldn't do that. He wants to be the one who everybody knows has a feud going on with, uh, with Hugh Jackson. He wants to be the one who's got the viral videos. We saw this at Oklahoma when he was grabbing his groin or planting the flag or whatever it was. Baker Mayfield is not a guy who wins and keeps his mouth shut. And so I think the question that's going to emerge very rapidly in Cleveland is is pretty straightforward. Do they win early? 
Because if they win early, I think the individual personalities can sort of subsume themselves to the overall winning tendencies of the team. And the fact that you have Freddie Kitchens in there as a young uh, head coach who's never really done this before doesn't become a larger issue. If they lose early, then a lot of these guys seem as if they could be the finger-pointing yes. group. And everybody's going to turn around and say, why are we not winning immediately? We've got way too much talent on this team to be losing, and everybody's going to try to figure out uh, what exactly is going on. We're going to stick with the NFL coming up next. Our good pal, Jeff Schwartz, who usually guest hosts with me when Clay is out. We will talk more NFL headlines with him. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, Tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free. Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust, and they never charge a fee to help you with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com to find the office near you, or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries, from welding to sales, for forklift operator to customer service the team at express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step whether you're looking for a contract job or a new full-time role turn to express employment interviewing with express can be as easy as a phone call and one application with express employment puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community don't go in your job search alone visit expresspros.com expresspros.com today 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestein tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestein test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're joined now by Jeff Schwartz. The NCAA tournament tips off a nice Thursday morning. I know you are planning to be in Vegas watching all these games as well, which should be pretty outstanding. Who are your final four teams? Oh, my final four teams. I'll tell you, I like North Carolina. I think they win it all. If you look at, at their kind of their veteran mix with the young guys, uh, their veteran coach obviously has been there before. Uh, I think I think they have a, a great possibility. Uh, I like Virginia, and then Duke to be there, and then I think Texas Tech. I just don't trust Gonzaga. I'm not sure anyone does. I feel like those are pretty trendy picks. There is kind of a weird. Uh, I think Buffalo is in the same region as Gonzaga. They're kind of a, a team. I think that's playing good, good ball, good enough ball as a six seed to maybe if there's like a weird team you want in the Final Four. I feel like Buffalo might be that team. As you watch, like all of the moving parts associated with uh, with uh, now that's NCAA basketball. We're obviously the tournament talk. How much? How many games will you bet on Thursday? <laughs> um, I'll probably put there's a total of what there's 32 first round games plus the four playing games. So I'll probably it's 36. I'll probably put money on 30 of them. And oh, that's substantial. Some, so the the four play-in games have already happened, right? You you bet on those, yeah. and then a lot of people bet on those because there's two on Tuesday, there's two on Wednesday, so there's nothing else going on, right? So you're like sitting there yeah. and you end up betting it, and then you got 16 games on Thursday, 16 games today, and 16 games tomorrow on Friday, and you're saying you'll bet 30 of the 36? Probably. I mean, I and, and here's what I did though. Um, because I'm because of the degenerate I am. On Sunday night, I'm at dinner with uh, my wife and kids, and we have some friends there at dinner too. Um, and the lines came out for uh, the game, so I was on my phone uh, looking at the lines. So I bet a bunch of lines early, so I got a bunch of middles. I think that I can maybe get like I got Montana at plus twenty two, and then I bet uh, and then I bet Michigan at minus fifteen. Uh, I got Irvine at like plus eight and a half. I got Kansas State at minus four and a half. So I got some middles working, so it's going to be a fun, a fun couple of days. So, by thirty bets, I mean like those are included in those thirty bets. Yeah. So, how will you spend? So, you're you're going to be in Vegas. I know you're out there now. How do you plan on spending your Thursday? Because so much of uh, of being in Vegas, and we're doing obviously at the MGM Grand. We did yesterday's show. We're going to be live on Thursday and Friday. For people out there who are listening early this morning that might be making a trip into Vegas, we will be live at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, both Thursday and Friday as the games go on. But I think one of the things that catches people by surprise in Vegas is how early the games start and how long of a day it is. So you see a lot of guys come out of the gate fast 
and by noon, you can see it in their face. They've had way too much to drink. They've had way too much to eat, and they still got a lot of games left to watch. How do you pace yourself? <laughs> see, I'm from the West Coast. I'm used to this, right? I mean, you you know, college football on the West Coast, it starts at 9 a.m., doesn't end until 11. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing with tournament, right? It starts at 10 a.m., and then it does, you know, ends at about, about 11 because there's West Coast games uh, that have to play. Um, I, mean, I, think, I think a nap is appropriate in the middle of the day, a, a, little, a little cat nap. But I, I have radio uh, still. I'll be doing my, my Pac-12 show um, from 3 to 6. So that will kind of break up the, the watching. For me, I just plan to drink some Red Bulls and, and have a couple cigars and go around sports books, and I'll come to MGM and say hi and whatnot. Just watch some college basketball. I've never done this before. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, watching Thursday and you know today and and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. No, it should be pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing you later this afternoon at the uh, at the MGM Grand. Thanks for getting up early with us here on Thursday morning. Um, what's the vibe like already? Like you can feel one of the great things about Vegas as Mark comes closer and closer is you can feel the excitement and the intensity. And if you haven't ever had the opportunity to watch a sporting event live in uh, in a sports book, it's awesome. But for this event, where there's games going on simultaneously, everybody's paying attention to the over, under, the lines, the reactions when, you know, like everybody reacts, uh, I feel like, in their own house when, you know, a game-winning shot is made or something like that occurs. But what's wild about being in Vegas is how many different lines end up being in play in the final few seconds and seeing people either exult or, you know, just collapse in, in dismay when things don't go their way. I mean, it's, it's, it's an electric atmosphere. Well, if it's anything like like you know like a craps table on a Friday night or Saturday night when it gets kind of going, I hope it's like that. Obviously, it's my first time doing a full day, so I'll experience that later today of, of all the games. But you know what I find about college basketball that makes, it, in my opinion, tough to bet, and and why I actually like the NBA, which I know some people might say NBA is tougher, but the like the college kids don't stop fouling. So like if they're like down eleven with a minute left, they keep fouling, and it screws up, especially. I like to bet a lot of unders. It screws up unders all the time, and it screws up like it just messes things up. So that you to sit there and watch that drama unfold, you know, meaningless threes. The NBA guys just dribble the ball out and go home, and in college basketball guys just chuck up threes and start fouling for no for no apparent reason. So it makes the end of the end of games extremely wild. Oh, I mean, it drives me insane the amount of fouling that we see in college basketball. It's perfect example. The NBA, they just let the game end. And I don't even know. Like, I used to think, because remember when the college basketball shot clock was 35 seconds, I used to think, oh, it's just because of the shot clock, right? Like, the shot clock is a lot longer in college. Yeah. But now the college shot clock is 30, and I think I'm correct. The NBA is 24 now, right? Or is it 20? 24, I can't even, yeah. It's yeah. Like 24. It's 24. So they always like, play you know, it out in the NBA and just let the you know they don't foul with like a minute and a half left down twelve. Right, and look, the, the best thing was SEC championship game. I had under a one forty eight. Okay, Auburn Tennessee. They were fifty seven points in the first in the first half. They were ninety in the second half, and that's what I'm talking about. Tennessee's down eleven with forty seconds left, and they're still fouling. I pushed. I pushed the total. I was. I couldn't believe it. Like it's just these kids just play and play and play, and so. I think that's what makes college basketball so exciting and why I'm looking forward to seeing everything happen today. Just It's just going to be wild because the games fluctuate so much at the end. Of, you know, at the end you know, guys, you know, teams make late runs and you know, try to scramble back in it. And you know, there's obviously um, you know, the foul shooting. Some teams are, are atrocious at foul shooting, like a, like a Duke, like a St. Louis, um, really bad at foul shooting. So uh, we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, there's no doubt at all about that. Um, all right, so let's get a couple of NFL stories in here for you. The Odell Beckham Jr. drama continues to play out. Giants fans maintain their outrage, their uh, their indignation over the fact that they traded Odell Beckham Jr. What happens with Eli? How, how does this story end? <laughs> uh, he might be the first NFL player to get the equivalent of a Mike Trout contract, the way Dave Gettleman talks about him. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it, man. Uh, it's interesting. You know, the Giants, look, I like Eli, right? I played there. He's a great dude. He won those two. Super Bowls for them, Super Bowl MVP. I get all that, you know. But like the Colts, when it was time for Peyton Manning to just to just be done, they're like, okay, go leave, bye. We'll get Andrew Luck. The Giants refused to do about Eli Manning, right? We heard Dave Gilman this week say that you know that's basically the offensive line's fault, and that he started playing better at the end of the season and whatnot. I don't know what they're gonna do with them. I mean, they're gonna play him in 2019. They might play him in 2020 and 2021. I mean, I think the only way it feels like. They move on from Eli as if he gets hurt, and he doesn't, and he never gets hurt. So we'll find out. Um, last question for you, and I appreciate you hanging out with us, Jeff Schwartz. Go follow him on Twitter at G E O F F S C H W A R T Z. Um, the Eli thing is is just wild, but also there have been some other moves, right? Uh, you got Blake Bortles now going to the Rams. You've got uh, Ryan Tannehill to the Titans. Do you believe there's anybody out there uh, that if we went back in time? And when Nick Foles was signing all his pack-up deals, even including when he went to the Eagles, we would have not been like, hey, this Nick Foles guy is one day going to get paid $20 million a year again, right? Do you think there's anybody right now who is in the you know downward spiral of their career that can reclaim some of the magic that they had earlier? Will anybody out there in the NFL right now who is a backup and is maybe not a guy we expect to be very good – ever have a Nick Foles-like resurgence? And if you had to pick somebody, who would it be? I feel like the easy favor on this is Teddy Bridgewater, right? Um, but I think this underscores what I've said for a while about Nick Foles. It's remarkable what he did. And I don't know if we appreciate just how crazy the run he had for being a backup quarterback. I don't think he'll be the same guy in Jackson. Look, he deserves to get paid. Uh, he's played well as a Super Bowl MVP, but... I don't think there'll be. Any, I think the story is unparalleled. Maybe, maybe Teddy Bridgewater be able to do that, but he's back with the Saints now, and you know, Breeze is, is not. Doesn't seem like he's going to retire anytime soon. So, I do wonder if there is anybody. I don't think there really is. Maybe I mean Jimmy G. I guess was a backup, and maybe he'll be the Niners at some point to, to the promised land. But I don't think there's anyone else. Yeah, it is pretty wild to think about how all this shakes out. I can't wait to hang out with you later today. Again, everybody out there listening right now, you can come find us at the MGM Grand, one thirty Eastern time. Sorry, one thirty Pacific time, 4.30 Eastern if you're traveling across the country to get there in time for the games. We will be live with Lock It In again. Wednesday was a lot of fun. Thursday is going to be even more fun. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. Look forward to seeing you, my man. All right. Take care, bud. When we come back, we'll dive back into the NCAA tournament, the tournament officially beginning. Uh, this is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Our thanks to Jeff Schwartz for joining us. As always, Clay Travis out in Las Vegas. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. He's at Clay Travis. And I don't know where Mike Francesa is. Clay, I, I know you've got a lot going on. I don't know if you've gotten to hear this yet. Just sit back and listen to Mike Francesa on his radio show. I'm not even going to set this up. Just in case you don't know this story yet, just listen to this. And everybody out there, 
Uh, make sure that you are pulled over or you don't have a beverage in your hand as you listen to the gloriousness that is Mike Francesa and his expertise on NCAA basketball. If you're an 11, you jump in against a 6. Like Arizona State, St. John's winner will jump in against a very good Buffalo team. And you try and uh, take off, but you're already a winner. You get a tournament win tonight. You get a full uh, share tonight. So it's a very big deal for one of the teams, especially those 16s, who have never won a tournament game. So getting a win here is a real big deal. Shock it all in college basketball. UMBC makes history in Charlotte. All right, Clay. I, are you kidding me? I mean, what, what are we doing here? I This guy makes seven figures a year to talk about sports every day on the radio. More power to him for his, contra- uh, for his contract and for the amount of money he makes. But I don't understand how you can have this job that we have and not remember that UVA won last year, right? That a 16 seed lost the UMBC, beat UVA. I'm not saying ever that I'm perfect on this show. Certainly, I get facts wrong all the time. I mess things up. I mess teams up. I mean, when you talk for three hours or four hours or whatever it is every single day, you're going to be imperfect. But even within the context of that imperfection, there are certain things you shouldn't get wrong. It seems to me that Mike Francesa and Stephen A. Smith have kind of become two sides of the same coin where they both get a lot wrong in their day-to-day activities. This is what I always wonder about, uh, worry about, honestly. If you think about athletic mortality, right? Everybody's great at sports uh, at some point relative to what you become. And what I mean by that is everybody, even the greats, start to decline, and you decline a lot younger in athletics than you would from a mental perspective. So typically – your average athlete is nowhere near as good at 35 as they would have been 25, right? Athletes can see it happen. I worry when I hear stuff like this. Like, I don't want to be that guy on the radio mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's just totally mailing it in and who has clips like this all the time where you totally have forgotten about what's going on in the, uh, in the world and you can't even remember the biggest upset in the history of college basketball, which happened last year. I mean, you have to have read virtually nothing to not be hearing all the time, oh, Virginia is a one seed. I wonder if this year will go better than it went for them last year. It seems like one of these clips comes out about Francesa almost like at least once a month, if not more frequently. Even a few years ago, he was talking about Maryland and Gary Williams. Like, that hadn't been a thing for a long time. Mike Francesa just totally out to lunch. And because you mentioned Stephen A. Smith, well, I wonder how surprised he was that Dwayne Haskins was ridiculously great throwing the football at Ohio State's Pro pro Day yesterday. People raving about him making every throw, just out there winging it. Stephen A. Smith's got to be the most surprised guy in the country at that, right? Yeah, look, I I think that not only that, when we had some fun with this after the NFL Combine, when Dwayne Haskins, who Stephen A. Smith described as more of a runner than a thrower, was literally the slowest in the 40 of anybody, right? Like Will Greer, who I don't think anybody thinks of as the greatest athlete on the planet, was like a four seven nine, and uh, and and Dwayne Haskins was a five oh four. So I mean that's a huge difference in terms of how fast they can run. And uh, and Will Greer dusted him out along with every other quarterback. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I think Stephen A. Smith probably was stunned by that, just as stunned as Mike Francesa is going to be when he hopefully puts on the tournament and they remind him that, oh, by the way, somebody did end up losing a, as a 16 seed, uh, as a one seed against a 16 seed. How many times do you think we're going to see clips of Virginia losing to UMBC over the next couple days? Oh, uh, a massive amount. And, and, and there's no telling how many times the University of Virginia players have watched that, but that's why I'm betting so heavily on Virginia. I think they're going to come out and uh, and win big over, I think it's uh, Gardner-Webb yep. is their, uh, their first-round opponent. I think Virginia will come out, blow them out. I think they'll probably be pretty good in their second week. And, uh, and, and I think they'll help to uh, exercise the demons there. Uh, now, here's the problem. If, uh, if you are UVA, and you are in a close game, I think it's going to be hard for this game not to be in the back of your mind, not for it to be not ricocheting around back there, as good as they were in the regular season. And Jerry Palm said they're the best team, according to his analytic data, going back 18 years at the entry to the NCAA tournament. Now, the wild thing about the NCAA tournament is we don't get to play seven-game series. We don't get the best team to always win. Sometimes the best team loses. And uh, that's the heartbreak and the challenge of the NCAA tournament is every game is 40 minutes, and your team could win uh, a seven-game series 4-1 to one if they got to play that team. But in that one-game circumstance, anything can happen, and, uh, and that's what makes the NCAA tournament so exhilarating and also so terrifying. Well, we're going to continue to talk about it and break down the brackets. We'll give you our final four picks, who we believe is going to be cutting down the nets. Wall-to-wall, NCAA tournament. Stock kick the coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. I'm Jason Martin, Clay Travis in Las Vegas. I am here in Nashville, Tennessee. He's at Clay Travis. I'm at Jmart Zone. The tournament really technically beginning today. We had that discussion a couple of days ago. We're going to give you our final four picks. We uh, we did it in the first hour as well. But I thought it'd be interesting to talk from a different angle here, Clay. There are you know you talk about Coach K and you talk about Tom Izzo and these like and Roy Williams and, and these very successful tournament coaches that have won championships and just have a ton of respect and then you have and Jay Wright now is a part of that list and then you have guys where it's just like man there's a lot on the line for this guy this guy needs some things to go right you could technically talk about maybe a Rick Barnes but you could talk about even Rick Bird at Belmont we talked about that on yesterday's program about him being 0-7 in the NCAA tournament and massive containers like Dan Wolken going after Belmont for no real apparent reason, but Rick Bird getting that win. And if he's able to win today over Maryland, that's going to be really nice for his legacy. We don't know how much longer he's going to coach. So when you look at some of these coaches in this tournament, who do you feel like has the most at stake? And I think the obvious answer is the one that we will share. Tony Bennett. Yes. Right. I mean, and I know he's had some success in the NCAA tournament before, but when you lose in the first round as the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed, this is your opportunity for redemption. This is your chance to return your team to glory. Uh, and if he has another early exit, let's say that they get past the 16 seed this year, but they lose to the Ole Miss Oklahoma winner, I think, which is their next matchup, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, if you don't make it at least to the Sweet 16, I think everybody looks at UVA and you start to have that reputation of 
this is a team that's never going to be able to have success in March. And once that reputation starts to get in place, it's a, it's a real challenge to overcome it. And I think uh, for a guy who's still relatively young in his career like Tony Bennett, I think the thing you become afraid of is you can't convince me that Rick Barnes is not absolutely terrified when he goes out onto the court for the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament because he's been Tennessee's coach before that at Texas's coach and Clemson and, uh, and, and wherever he was before that. I can't even – George Mason, I think. Maybe I can't even remember all the places he's coached. Yeah. Uh, but Rick Barnes has been to the NCAA tournament 23 times, and 17 of them he has not been able to reach the Sweet 16 and advance to that second weekend. So I think Tony Bennett is the guy who is out there that has the most at stake. Uh, I'll give you another one. Um, that, that I think, uh, and Rick Barnes obviously is an easy one, I think John Calipari. Yep. You know, at some point in time, uh, I think John Calipari needs to win a second national championship at Kentucky to kind of stamp his reign with a high degree of legitimacy. Because right now, I think when you hear John Calipari, you think, man, incredibly talented teams, great individual players, a litany of first-round draft picks that follow his name, and then the next thing you think is, that guy should really have a lot more than one title. And I understand how tough the NCAA tournament can be and how sometimes the best team doesn't win at all, and all those things are certainly a factor here. But I think the difference between having one title and having two is seismic. Now, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him because I think the difference between Michigan State and, say, Kentucky is that Kentucky's always going to be good, right? I mean, it's a basketball program that's always going to matter. Whereas Michigan State, I think to a large degree, Tom Izzo has made it the program that it is. I don't know that if Tom Izzo left, Michigan State would be on the same level that it is right now. But Izzo's only got one title, too. And the Big Ten itself hasn't had a tremendous amount of success when it comes to college basketball winning championships. So I think Izzo, when you look at his failures against Coach K, if he gets into the Elite Eight, that would be a major moment for him to be able to beat a big-time team like Duke. Again, Izzo has just been very bad. Coach K has owned him. Um, I, I think before the, the championship game loss, you could have said Mark Few because Gonzaga kind of been knocking on that door for a long time, and you wondered, are they ever going to kick the door down and get there? They didn't win a championship, but they got to the championship game, and I think there aren't very many people in the country now who say, oh, the Zags can't win a title. I think certainly that was a uh, that was a line that was out there about them before. Um, so to me, those are the guys that you'll look at and say uh, they probably have the most at stake right now. But I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, the coach that has to feel the most pressure uh, is uh, is everything surrounding the the situation at Virginia. Right? I mean, there's no other program right now that feels anywhere near uh, the same kind of pressure. Yeah. What if What do you think about Bill Self? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bill Self maybe, but I think Kansas as a four seed right now, I think they're only like a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Northeastern or something along those lines. I don't think this is a very good Kansas team. Right. I think the pressure gets ratcheted up when people know you have a good team. You know, if Kansas makes the Sweet 16 as a four seed, I think most people would say, hey, that's a pretty good year uh, for Kansas, all things considered. Um, and if, if Kansas was a one seed this year, uh, like they have been a lot of other years, and they've they've choked out early. Then I think the pressure gets ratcheted up. It may be a little bit unfair, but I think the higher the seed you are, which is a function of 
the better of a season you've had, right? Like you have to, if you're Tony Bennett and you're Virginia, what are they, 28 and three or whatever they are? They lost to Duke twice and they lost to uh, Florida State. They've been so good that they could get the number one overall seed. Yet that one stinker that you put forward in the NCAA tournament is what ends up defining you. So it's definitely a paradox because in order to be in the position of being a one or a two seed, you have to have gone out and had a whale of a regular season. But I think the expectations are ratcheted up to such a degree that maybe if you've over, over, you know, uh, over kind of reached what people would expect, exceeded expectations, Rick Barnes is a great example, right? I mean, if you had told Tennessee fans two years ago, hey, your team is going to be a, uh, a two-seed in a couple of years, they'd be like, no way, are you crazy? But in that scenario, when you're number one in the country for a month and you're the number two-seed overall, if Rick Barnes loses on day two, people are going to feel a lot different than if he were a seven-seed and they lost in day two. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, sure. So uh, the seeding factors in, I think, a great deal to the pressure when it comes to the head coaches, and the pressure gets ratcheted up when you're a high seed. We talked about this in hour one, but we can kind of go over it here again. Our final four picks. Fox asked us for our final four picks. I'm already really just sweating bullets because if P.J. Washington's out, then I ain't picking Kentucky, and I did pick Kentucky. I went with North Carolina, Virginia, Michigan State, and Gonzaga to get there. Now I will cede the time to you. Yeah, my final four, uh, look, I mean, I, I said that I believe the Zags can win a title. I'm not sure this is the year they do it. I also don't think Michigan's that strong in the Western region. I've got Texas Tech coming out. I love Chris Beard. I think he's probably a strong argument that he's the national coach of the year. Love the defense that his team plays. I uh, like the fact that they're under the radar. A uh, Big 12 team that isn't getting a lot of respect. I like them to come out of the West. Uh, out of the Midwest, um, I think Kentucky, the P.J. Washington news, is troubling. We'll see exactly how healthy he's going to be. My expectation is he's going to play and that he'll be okay, uh, although I'm nervous about that. If he's healthy, then I like Kentucky to make a run to the Final Four. If he's not healthy, then I would go back in and totally reevaluate that position. Maybe look at Houston, who I think is under the radar there, is the three seed having a chance to get past Kentucky uh, if they don't have P.J. Washington, and then maybe being able to spring an upset on UNC. In the South, I like UVA and Tennessee to meet up in the Elite Eight, play a classic game, Tennessee to win late uh, with, uh, with some of the veteran play that they've got, maybe a Grant Williams uh, big-time bucket inside. Uh, so uh, that is where uh, I would go there. And then uh, in the East, I think it's hard to bet against Duke. I'm troubled by their, free, uh, their three-point shooting. I think uh, Tom Izzo ultimately not had enough success against Coach K. Michigan State with a lot of injury situations as well. I think Coach K uh, has done a great job coaching Duke, but I think arguably this is about as good of a job as Tom Izzo has ever done when you consider the injury situations that Michigan State's had to overcome. Uh, so I like Duke playing against Texas Tech. I like Tennessee playing against Kentucky. I'm going to go risky here. I like Tennessee against Duke, and then I like Tennessee to pull off the upset against Duke in the national title game. I'm, I feel scary because Zion Williamson is somebody that can will you, but Zion Williamson doesn't shoot great free throws. And Duke, that three-point deal, I'm just looking at 2010 Kentucky, and there is a West Virginia out there that can get hot on one night, and Duke goes home even with all that talent. But we will see. I don't want to see Zion go out too early, though, because I want to be able to enjoy him in this tournament. We will talk about the Friday games uh, on tomorrow's program as well as we finish up the week. Hopefully our brackets are not completely shattered by then. But... If they are, at least that means that it's been a fun day. 
All right, that's it for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the basketball. We will react to all of it. Same bat time, same bat channel. For Clay Travis in Vegas, I'm Jason Martin. See you tomorrow. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.